I thought this was the right verse, but it is, apparently it is not. So I am going to tell you the verse. It's very simple. It's the verse where they had come at him and come at him and come at him uh, the, the weekend before his crucifixion. When I say the scribes came at him, the, the priests came at him, the Sadducees came at him. Uh, and then finally, a Pharisee lawyer comes at him and says to Jesus, which is the uh, most important uh, commandment? Which is the first commandment? And Jesus answers and says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy mind, with all thy soul. This is the first commandment. Then he goes on to say, and the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So we've been... uh, 35. Okay, 35. 35 and 36, I guess it would be. Because 36 is, the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This is also established in uh, 1 John 5, where John the Beloved in 1 John 5 says, If you love him that begat, you know who him that begat is? That's God. God begat us. Means we are his children. Okay. If you love him that begat, you will love him that is begotten. And you know who is begotten of him? We are the children. Okay. And he says, that's when Jesus says the second is like, namely this. But I also want us to think of something else here. Um, well, one. I should have used this for the, in the first place. We were talking about in this verse of scripture where Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. That word love in the Greek is the Greek word agape. Or if it's a verb, like thou shalt love, it is agapeo, which is just the same as agape, as far as the the definition is. One is a noun, one is a uh, verb. Jesus in 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, uh, God is love. That is agape. Okay? And when he says this, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, it is the word agape. The first thing, the first understanding of this word being used, now, it, it is, is a quote from the Old Testament. And this is important. A quote from the Old Testament in three areas in Deuteronomy. And uh, there's three areas in the New Testament that is quoted from the, Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament. And all three areas are in a similar time frame or in the same time frame. It's just the recording from the different perspective of the different writers. But it is understood that before John, most theologians and, and, and linguists believe that before John... John the Beloved uh, came along and used this word, agape. Uh, They never really truly knew the meaning of it. You know, Uh, in the Old Testament, it was uh, the verb 
was for God so loved the world. And then it used a slew of different words in the Old Testament, all combined, the Old Testament with the New Testament. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, body, soul, spirit, um, all your strength, all your might, in these different ways that these different words are used. And then if you take those different words and get meanings of those different words, like suke, which is soul. Suke is understood uh, to mean, and if you see in First uh, Thessalonians 5, where, the, where Paul says, I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word soul, the suke, uh, is divided into three major uh, parts, which would mean your intellect, your emotions, and your will. Now, I've talked a lot about loving the Lord thy God, it says, with all your heart, mind, body. That's why we were created. For us to fellowship with God, commune with God, and love Him with all our hearts, mind, body, soul, and spirit. But there's one thing about that. You see, in the Old Testament when they said that, and even at the point where Jesus is saying that, there is a problem. And do you know what that problem is? We can't do it. You say, wait a minute. You're saying there's uh, uh, commandments in the Old Testament that says we can't keep? Absolutely I'm saying it. Actually, I'm just repeating it. Paul said it. And it's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul was the, the apostles to the Gentiles. And he stated in m- many different places that we are not under the law, but under grace. And so being under the law is simply this. It doesn't mean that we don't have a responsibility to the law or to God's commandments. As a matter of fact, John in first John there, right there and where it says he that loves him that begat loves him that begat will love him that is begotten says this. And by this, we do know that we love God by keeping his commandments and keeping his word and, 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 and doing his will. No, the difference between being under the law and under grace is it's very simple. You are not right with God by keeping commandments. You cannot be right with God. Well, maybe I should clarify that. You could be right with God if you kept all of his commandments perfectly. Nobody can do that. That's why Jesus came and died for us. You see, And so the difference between being under the law and under grace is we're saved by grace through faith. The just shall live by faith. We are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, not of works, not of keeping his commandments. But does that mean we're not supposed to keep his commandments? No, it does not mean that. It just means I'm not right with God that way. You understand? I'm right with God by faith. By faith what? In Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the theologians believe that 
when God, when that word was used, even though it was, uh, well, like in Matthew 22, even though it was, a uh, uh, Jesus was confessing, saying something that was in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy three times. He, the word was not understood until John the beloved came along and used it in for, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so the word agape suddenly came on the scene. Well, it, it was on the scene, but they didn't really understand what God's love was. But it is God's love. And I want to read to you uh, something from uh, Vine's dictionary. Uh, I like to say the whole thing. Vine's expository dictionary of New Testament Greek words. That sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? My wife doesn't think so. But anyway, <laughs> I think it sounds cool. There's a slew of, uh, of, of uh, definition here by Vine's. But there's one thing here that is very unique about the love of God. And it says this, love, agape love, agapeo if it's a verb, love can be known only from the actions it prompts. In other words, love will produce actions. And I think that's what James said when he said faith without corresponding actions is dead. You know, and he says this, uh, God's love is seen in the gift of his son. You know, for God so loved that he gave. What did he give? The best he had. He gave his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And it says this, God's love is seen in the gift of his son. First John, um, just a minute. I thought it said 1 John 49. And I'm like, there ain't no 49 chapters in John. It's 4.9. Okay, here we go. All right. 1 John 4.9 and 10. But obviously, this is not the love of complacency or affection. Now, does God love us with affection? Yes. But the giving of his son was not from affection. Right? That's what this is saying. That is, it is not drawn out by any excellency in its objects or in its object. You, you know what that means? In other words, God loved you not because you were lovable. He loved me in spite of my being very unlovable. Hello? God loves you at your... Matter of fact, in, in some scripture it says, you know, Jesus didn't die for you to, when you're being really pretty good. No, it says, while, we, while you were a sinner, Christ died for you, Romans 5. While we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so it goes on to say this. Uh, this is the, this is the important part. Okay, I'll repeat this. First John four nine and ten, and this is just explaining it. But obviously, this is not the love of complacency or affection. That it is is not drawn out by any excellency in its ob, in its objects. 
it was an exercise of divine will in deliberate choice made without assignable cause save that which lies in the nature of God himself. And I'm, I'm just, uh, there's a lot more to that, but I just want just, to, just, just listen to this one, buddy. It, this is God's love, for God so loved the world. It was an exercise of the divine will in deliberate choice made without assignable cause except that which lies in the nature of God himself. In other words, God loves you because of who he is. Not because of who you are. He makes it, and I love this, this, this exercise of divine will and deliberate choice. Now what does that got to do with, with uh, Matthew 22? That's the same word, agape. The only thing is, there's a difference. Because when we agape God, we are reciprocating. We are reciprocating because you see, we do love God because of who he is. See, we do love God because there is a signable cause in deliberate choice of it, that's in him. See, everybody, you follow that? You follow that line of thinking? It's like, we don't say, I love, I choose to love God because of who I am. No, we choose to love God because of who he is and what he has done. Right? So, so it's a, it's a, it's a reciprocation, but it's the same word. But now many of us know that there's this little teaching about the love, the different loves in the Bible. You have, um, three ones that most people know about, and that is the word agape or agapeo. Then you have the word phileo or phileo, however you want to say it. And then you have the word eros. Now, most of us know about those three words that are used in the Bible. The word that is mostly used in the Bible for love is phileo. We get a ton of, of words, compound words that go with phileo. The one you probably know the best is Philadelphia. The city of Philadelphia means the love of the brethren or brotherly love. Okay. All of, anytime you hear a word fill of something, it probably means love something. Like philosophy. Philosophy is love of truth. And there's a slew of English words, we get that. But it's kind of what for one to love those things, there has to be an assignable cause. For example, if you love apple pie, that means you phileo it. Hello? Because there's an assignable cause. Some of you may not like apple pie. See, there's no assignable cause for you to love apple pie. What? Phil of what? Philippi. Philippi. Yeah, the city Philippi. It must be. Yeah. 
Philippi. Philippi. That's a good one. I'm going to wait till everybody forgets you said that and then pretend I come up with it on my own. Philippi. Yeah. Yeah, the love of circles. So in, in a way, that word Philippi does mean that. Only it's circles because pi r square. Never mind. So we get a slew, you know, uh, philodendron, the flower, is actually means love of beauty, you know. Uh, philo- uh, well, you get the picture, all right? Um, when you phileo somebody else, that means you, you kind of, it means you like it, you know, you like them. And again, that's in, because, the, you know, you just get along with them okay, all right? But when you agape somebody else, you are loving them with the love of God and you love them with by deliberate choice with no assignable cause in them except what lies in God himself because you're loving them with agape love. In the same respect, though, if you are loving God back with the agape love that... See, no man... Can truly, this is one of the reasons when I said all those commandments from the New Testament. And Jesus, when he says to the, uh, the lawyer, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Why is it so impossible? It's impossible because you can't give something you don't have. You understand? For God so loved the world, he gave his son. You can only love God once you have received the love of God. So you can't love God. So Jesus was, he said, well, why was he saying that? Because see, he is paving the way. Paul says this in, uh, about the law. He says the law, and he goes in, if you want to read, read Galatians and you'll find out all about the law versus grace, law versus grace. But one of the things he starts off in the third chapter of of, of Galatians is he says this am, am I saying that man should sin that grace may abound because it's the free gift absolutely not he says he's and then then he goes on but he said goes on in the third chapter there in verse 24 and 25 he says this the law of God from Moses to now until the resurrection of Jesus Christ the law of God in the King James, it says, is a schoolmaster. Schoolmaster. Not, not the greatest translation there is. I love King James, don't get me wrong, man, it's my favorite. But schoolmaster there, m- most translations say tutor. Yeah. Even that is not a really good translation. The Greek word, which I'm not going to attempt to pronounce actually refers to an older boy that would escort the younger boy to school. And that's actually that word. He said, and you, I mean, look it up yourself. You can find it. It's not a hard thing to look up. He, to, he, he escorts the law with something to escort us to God to grace, to Jesus, to Jesus dying on the cross. 
until Jesus died for us, we have no entrance into God's presence except through his precious, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. So the law, now why is that important? When, is, does that mean that we are not, you know, I, you've heard me say this. The purpose of God in our lives is very simple. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all God's, with all your heart, with all your mind, body, soul, strength, intellect, uh, will, decision. And this is one of those things about this, this definition. It is God's love to us was, first of all, by designable cause, was not beside us, but assignable cause, but was because of deliberate choice in his will. He chose to love us. Now, if we're going to love God back with his love, the first thing that we need to do is it is not first and foremost an emotion. It is an emotion, but not first and foremost. Why do I say that? Because it is an emotion in the sense that all those words, both in Deuteronomy and in the New Testament, that says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, soul, strength, everything, covers everything, including emotions, including uh, your will. And that's the first thing you give to God. Not my will, but thy will be done. You yield your will to God. Remember that song I was saying? I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. It's you're yielding your will to God because that's what God did for us. He willed, he, he, deliberate choice, he willed to love us. And so if we're going to love him back with his love, and, the, and remember, we can't do it under the law. You cannot do it under the law. The law was there to show you couldn't do it. That's what, that's what the Bible says. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But through Jesus, and that's why the, the last, that was the last thing, almost the last thing that he was talking about uh, in, in preparation to going to the cross. He says, thou shall love the Lord thy God. And he says, you, and he could have gone on. Paul goes on and says, yeah, can't do it. But through Jesus Christ, you can. That's why he died. So he, through his resurrection, we could love God with all our hearts. So the things you couldn't do with, without, with, apart from Christ, why? Now, uh, I was, <clears throat> I called somebody up at midnight last night. Um, he said, you really call somebody at midnight? Yeah, I told him I had a friend over and I needed uh, some victuals, victuals, food, food. That's a, that's a parable Jesus said, by the way. <laughs> um, only because I know not only is he nearly always up at that time, but he has told me that I can call any time because he is almost never 
asleep by then. And if he is, he won't answer the phone anyways. My son-in-law, who was just up here a while ago, said when somebody calls him up and he gets up and and he says, did I wake you up? And he says, oh no, I, I had to get up to answer the phone anyways. So if you don't know who I called, it was Pastor Norm Moran, who's preaching today over at Goblesgill. And Pastor Norm is kind of like my father in the faith, you know. I mean, he is the one that I have this close, close relationship with. And uh, uh, he just loves it when I call him at midnight, and I love to call him at midnight. And uh, I have no idea why I brought that up, but... I'll think of it in a minute, God willing. So, I'm not kidding, I have forgotten. Maybe if I stand up, the juice will run. No, that won't help. But we were talking about uh, different things, and we were talking about the law versus grace, and maybe that's why I was talking about it. I got so distracted telling you I was talking to Pastor Norm Moran. I love to talk to him, and um, he's just one incredible dude. He pastored over at Main Street Baptist for, what, 20 years? And then Gary Bonebreak took over from him, and Gary was there 22 years. So I guess it would be about, Pastor Norm came about five months after I got here, four, four or five months, and... Uh, I called him up and I said, God, I prophesied to him. I said, God has chosen you to bring unity to this area, to the body of Christ. And boy, did he. And he started a pastor's thing and we just started uh, praising and worshiping the, the Lord together. And it was just, and I still haven't thought about what I was going to say. So I'll just go on. A loving God with all your heart. Jesus comes on the scene and Paul says, before Jesus was crucified. Got it. I knew I'd get it. Hallelujah. He says, he always says, what are you going to be preaching over? And we start talking about it. And I said, I think I'm going to be preaching over uh, Macbeth, not Macbeth, um, Hamlet, Hamlet. And Hamlet says this, to be or not to be, that is the question. Now, you know what he's talking about, don't you? You guys, you're not Shakespearean? (laughs) You know, I never liked Shakespeare until I got saved and started reading the King James Bible. And I said, I actually understand that stuff now. (laughs) You guys don't know what that means to be or not to be? It means are you going to kill yourself or not kill yourself to be is to live to be not to not is to is to die he's he's thinking of committing suicide you know and to be is a present day you know we are beings because we be you get that in the south they used to say stuff you know, when they were just really impressed with somebody, they'd say something like, I be, you know. Sometimes they would go on to say, I be, 
something expletive. I'm dying up here. (laughs) To be or not to be. Do you know God is an ever being? There is something in the scriptures that I'm, I'm I'm not saying the scripture's wrong. But in some ways, it's not perfect. For example, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is it true? Yeah, absolutely it's true. Or Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the ending. You know, God has no beginning. You see, and Jesus is God, you know. He is the ever-living being. When in 1 Peter he says, and remember, the second is like, namely this, that what should know your neighbor as yourself is like that. In 1 Peter says that, that we're supposed to love one another with a pure heart, fervently. There's where the emotions come in. Fervently. That means the word fervent is like at the end of the times, when the end days come, it says the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. It means hot. It means really hot. And we're supposed to love one another with a pure heart fervently. So if we're to love one another with a pure heart fervently, we're also supposed to love God with a pure heart. As a matter of fact, you cannot love God with a pure heart fervently until you know that God has loved you with a pure heart fervently. And you can't love your neighbor with a pure heart fervently until you have received the love of God and loved him. Then you can love your neighbor with a pure heart fervently. How are we to do that? Now here's the thing about Jesus Christ. This is what he has enabled This is what you need to believe in order to be able to do what God has said. I can do all things through Christ. Hello? Okay, now here's the deal. Love one another with a pure heart, fervently being. Being. Be. I be. What be you? I be. Being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible seed by the word of God which lives and abides forever God lives in you he abides in you and when you say I can't love that person you have to make a deliberate choice Not because of a signable cause in them, but because who God is in you. And when you love one another, in order to do that, you have to believe God, believe his word, and believe that the the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, that the outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. What's the inner man? The inward man in another place is called the hidden man of the heart. And you see, when you are being born again, 
you are being empowered by the same power that empowers God to give His Son to die for us. We experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ by being born again by the Word of God, which lives in, in other words, what, when God came into your life, it wasn't a done deal and He, he takes off. Another scripture says, uh, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You know that word, be filled with the Spirit? It is the word which means continuously keep on being filled with the Spirit. So it's the same mentality. It's a being mentality. It's a being, it's a spiritual thing where you are be. When the answer is to be or not to be, that is the question. The answer is to be. You see, it's who you are, who you are. So when Jesus says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, you can only love him with all your heart when you know or believe who you are being born again. Somebody say this is all right. This is amen, okay? This is the word of God. So it's a state of being. It's not a one-time thing where you walk off afterwards, you know. It's a continuous thing that's activated in your life by the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Where does it live? Where does it live and abide? Huh? In you, in us, in believers. If you believe in God, then you need to count heavily. Love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, counting on, in faith, believing that God has come into your life and changed you. One of, when I was young, when I got young and got saved, I I, I went into this period of kind of legalism and I was legalistic and judgmental and critical and all these things that go with it and um, when movies came out about Jesus I was mostly critical of where they were missing it you know and of course I knew better than anybody else where they would be missing it now that I'm older some of those same movies I just really really love it's amazing and there's this scene in um, Jesus Christ Superstar. How many ever seen Jesus Christ Superstar? Uh, not, not too many. Uh, first time I saw that, I was like, hmm, hmm. I don't like this movie because the way they made it. And it kind of goes from my era, too. You know, the, the kind of a modern way of seeing things and but there's this song where Mary Magdalene sings to him and she says this, she says, I don't know how to love him, you know, um, how to move him. And then she says, I've been changed, really changed. And it's, it's such a beautiful song and it's, it's absolutely true. You don't know how to love him. The difference is, when you say, I've been changed, 
you do know how to love him. You see the difference? It's just like, I, that is, should be the greatest question in everybody's uh, mind is, I don't know how to love him, what to do, how to move him. I've been changed. Yes, really changed. In these last few days, when I see myself, I seem like someone else. That's the key. You are someone else. See, when Jesus comes into your heart, you are someone else. She had the right thing. I've been changed. But because you've been changed, you know how to love him. Hello? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word that has come into our hearts and have birthed a new birth in us. We are born again, not of a corruptible seed. Your word is incorruptible. And it lives and abides forever in us. Lord, may we believe that so that we, with your love, when it comes to loving you, we love it at a deliberate choice with our will. But what we have to say, our, your will in my life, not my own. We yield it to you. We yield our will. We yield our emotions. We yield everything. Love you with all our hearts, mind, body, soul, spirit, intellect, strength, power, might, everything. Lord, more than anything else, we worship you and we thank you for it.